Hey listeners, Dennis Wisco here. I'd love to see existing business models that adhere to the principles of this mobility revolution. These principles of connectivity, electrification, and autonomy are all found in the company featured on today's episode. Testloop is a one-way transit rental company that moves people and goods between Los Angeles and San Diego with crowdsourced Teslas. The Teslas available to rent include Model Xs and Model 3s with the autopilot feature. Once you've departed for your long-distance destination, you'll have live customer support in case you don't know how to operate some of the features of the Tesla, which include the self-driving feature. And once you've dropped off the Tesla, then the company can access the vehicle telematic system to measure battery life, miles traveled, location data, and more. All of this to ensure that that Tesla is ready for its next loop. Connectivity, electrification, and autonomy are all found in this business model. As of the publishing of this episode, it should be noted that Testloop does have an announcement posted on their website about how they are temporarily pausing service in order to upgrade their software and make adjustments to their operation. I think this goes to show how these new mobility providers are still trying to find their niche and present a case for another mode of transportation. This will be a great episode for anyone wanting to compete in the automotive and mobility space. And as a matter of fact, be sure you check out the episode page for a link to the key business documents that have been provided by Tesloop. Before we get to today's episode, one announcement. I am very humbled, listeners, to onboard my first media partner of the year. Comotion Miami, which is the sister event to Comotion LA, brings together the brave new world of the urban mobility revolution with a special focus on Miami and South Florida and Central and South America. Essentially, How are the Latin American countries and culture influencing the urban mobility revolution? So Comotion Miami occurs on April 2nd and 3rd, and you can stay tuned as listeners of the show will receive a discount to attend. More info to come on this later. But nonetheless, I'm thrilled to welcome Comotion Miami as a media partner for Wisco Weekly. Now, let's get into the show. Tune in to the Wisco Weekly Experience. Mabuhai, bienvenidos, vitate, and welcome to Wisco Weekly listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I'm your host, Dennis Wisco, and you are tuned in to the new business models for the mobility of people and goods. I am very, very thrilled to present to you this particular episode because I think this is going to be the first opportunity that I will have to discuss Tesla on the show. So without further ado, let's start getting into these guests of mine here. 
There are many businesses that have been born out of bigger businesses. Take, for instance, the rental car industry. The, the rental car industry, born out of the automobile industry, took existing assets, that being a car, and turned it into an income instrument that earned money over time. In this model, all the assets are the liability of the owner, but all the profits are also the owners. With the war on internal combustion engines, there are new business models that are arising that promote the principles of this mobility revolution. Those principles being connectivity, electrification, autonomy, and my favorite, making money. Listeners, today you are in for a treat. I may have discovered the best duo in transportation tech. Call them the Kobe and Shaq, the Jobs and Wozniak, or better yet, call them father and son. Rahul Sanad is the father and seasoned businessman of the two. He's well-educated and received his undergrad degree at Penn, his master's in computer science at the University of Washington, and also completed an, M at, also completed an MBA at Harvard Business School. He's worked at notable tech giants like Adobe and Microsoft and has also been founder CEO of two other companies. Rahul's son, Hayden, has far less educational experience and has only been involved with one company, and it's the company he co-founded, Tusloop. We'll get to hear more about that in a second. Together, Rahul and Hayden are transforming the economics of transportation by utilizing existing assets, that being a Tesla, and making it apply to the principles of connectivity, electrification, autonomy, and everyone's favorite here, making money. Here to share insight into their business model for the mobility of people, our father, CEO, and co-founder, Rahul Sanad, and his son, co-founder, and chief evangelist, Hayden Sanad. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, first off, before we begin, uh, how can people follow you? Uh, Rahul, how can people follow you? Yeah, I think the best way is just, um, you know, at Tesloop, uh, whether you're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everything's just... T-E-S-L-O-O-P. Um, and then if you look for me, I'm Rahulio, R-A-H-U-L-I-O. And I will put that on the episode notes. Uh, Hayden, how about you? Yeah, I think the best way to reach me is add me on Facebook. It's uh, just my full name. Okay, great. Uh, and again, listeners, I will put that on the episode page. So one of the things I want to do on this episode to change things up a bit, I want listeners to become familiar with your guys' voice as we go through this episode here. So Perhaps we can do this in a different way, and that is I would like for each of you to ask yourselves or ask one another a question. So, Hayden, we'll start with you. Please ask your father and CEO, Rahul, your question. Yeah, so you've never been much of a car guy. You have a 2000 Honda Odyssey. What initially got you so interested in Tesla that you have now kind of dedicated your life to the company? I think I've never uh, owned a new car and um, I don't treat my cars well. I like to have sand and pedal boards in the back. But, um, you know, when I looked at Tesla, to me, it was really a technology platform. It was, I, I almost kind of saw it like I saw a digital 
media um like streaming video servers where this the car is like the server that you can talk to it's on the internet you're trying to optimize it it's getting upgraded continually so it it is really like the technology of tesla and the idea of the car evolving into really a kind of um people moving platform or a goods moving platform that got me you know really interested in tesla hmm. Well, it speaks to your background, uh, that being in technology. Yeah. Um, so, Rahul, if you can ask your son a question, please. Yeah. So, um, I think we've been just about four years into the company, and you've kind of worn a huge variety of different hats, like most entrepreneurs. But um, what activities at the company actually uh, are the most interesting to you? What gets you the most excited and gets you to wake up every morning? Yeah, well, let me just start by saying that being part of a startup is an incredible opportunity. If you ever have the chance, uh, I highly suggest that you jump on that. There are, clearly are tons of ups and downs, and the highs are very high and the lows are very low. Uh, there's lots of small moments that are really uh, gratifying, seeing people enjoying the product, launching new things. But I do think the two uh, kind of roles or, or uh, actions that are the most important for me are both along the theme of thinking through the business. And the first is creating pitch decks and really developing a cohesive narrative around the company, understanding how it is positioned and making sure that you know all the small kinks are worked out. And the second along those lines is building out the financial projections where you have to critically think, two, three, four years ahead, develop all the assumptions and really make sure that uh, everything lines up. And so those really force you to understand how you expect things to evolve. I think one of the things that's almost interesting to hear you speak about, uh, about this, Hayden, is for someone of your age, and, and I don't mean to take this away from you either, so please, it's not meant, meant to be offensive, but the reality is, is that you do not have a whole lot of uh, work or education experience, but yet you're still thinking ahead. Where does that come from? Uh, so I think, I mean, speaking a little more in the macro first, what, what I think is always important for uh, older people to understand is like back, back when you were growing up before there was the internet and before you had access to you know, tons of information. If you had a question, it was very hard to find an answer. Now, if I have a question, 10 seconds later, I Google search it and I have millions of, of you know, search results. And so there's a huge difference between needing to go through the steps of education, getting a job, meeting the right people to gather relevant information to now where it's accessible to everybody. And so that, I think, is just a huge springboard to anybody young that has been growing up in a digital world and, and, and is just uh, like natively connected. So then along those lines, then you had mentioned as one of the things that you love doing is the pitch deck. And so let's talk about a little bit more of test loop uh, at the moment. So you, you, you do like creating these pitch decks. You've, I'm sure, had to work on a, a number of new ones as all, and, and also revised old ones. One of the things about your business that seems to have changed a bit, and, and so I'm curious if you can share and talk us through this change, and that is... When the business was first created, uh, TestLoop was meant to serve as a uh, ride-sharing model for drivers to take passengers to a longer destination or a destination between two points that is of longer distance, not like this half mile or first mile, last mile. 
But you guys have changed that where it's no longer ride sharing, but car sharing. So can you maybe talk us through why that change happened? You know, when we look at this new electric semi-autonomous connected platform, uh, it's always been obvious to us that the best use case from kind of an economic standpoint and a user experience standpoint is long distance because it's much cheaper per mile to operate an electric car. So the more distance you're going, the more money you save. And um, similarly, if you have a really nice, comfortable car, uh, you care more about that if you're in it for two or three hours versus if you're in it for 10 minutes. So I think what's remained consistent is the idea that long distance kind of regional mobility, 75 to 300 miles is what the electric car is today perfectly suited for. Um, in terms of our business model, when we started a Tesla cost over $100,000, um, it took 90 minutes to charge. It didn't drive itself at all. Um, and now a car costs $40,000. It takes 30 minutes to charge and it can effectively on the highway drive itself quite well. So with that change, the difference between booking a seat and, and getting driven and booking the car, getting behind the wheel and kind of having the car more or less drive you with a little bit of oversight on your side is getting less and less. So just as the, uh, specifically as the autonomous functionality evolved in the Teslas, the um, idea of putting somebody behind the wheel, uh, which is much cheaper. I mean, it's kind of the same price to get the whole car now as it was to get a seat. So now you can take four or five people um, you know, for the price of one. So it just becomes much more economical. And, and we think like over this next year, you know, the car is going to get much better in terms of its autopilot, you know, autonomous functionality so that, you know, the delta between you being driven and driving will get reduced to almost nothing. So one of the things then, because you have changed from ride share to then car share, much like in the case where Tesla first started out as a as a company that produces vehicles they were an automaker they have changed their their mission statement in that they're no longer an automaker but they are an energy company that happens to pass and store energy through a vehicle have you guys had to make any of those changes within your mission statement as well in kind of defining who you guys are I think it's always been the same. You know, we just want to make sure that the time you spend in cars is, you know, amazing and inspiring and safe and easy. Um, so I, I don't think uh, we've changed, you know, too much there. The specific models changed, but kind of the the goal is still uh, the same, which is to really give more people access to the cars. And the way you do that is through sharing the cars instead of letting them sit, which makes them much um, cheaper for everybody to use. So our goal is still, um, you know, as Haydn once said, like there's all these Teslas sitting around. Our goal is to create a way where you can put them to work, um, you know, throughout the day. Hayden, one of the things that so by the way, listeners, if you get the chance, and I'll and I'll try to put uh, as many uh, links as I can on the episode page. But Hayden has done 
uh, quite a number of YouTube videos, including the one where he it, was this at the time where the company launched, where you attended a Tesla event and had the chance to uh, drop a preview of this to Elon Musk. Yeah. So by owning one share, you have access to the Tesla shareholders meeting. So I've been to all of them since 2015. And by strategically sitting next to the mic, you can uh, be first in the Q&A queue. And so I've been able to ask some interesting questions to Elon over the years. The first one back when this was still just a, an idea was uh, really trying to understand what his expectation for the progression of autopilot would be. And I think that was really the first time that somebody, uh, a leading figure in the autonomous space, had given a concrete time frame on technical autonomy. And he said then that by 2018, they'd be able to do coast to coast driverless. I think they're a few years behind that. But, uh, you know, in, in Elon time, they're, they're right on pace. <laughs> uh, and then I was able to ask some questions about supercharging constraints with Model 3. Uh, unfortunately, last year, I I, I was too late to stand up and wasn't able to ask a question about oh, but you were still there about though? truck economics. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that it, it it actually brings up then something about your guys's business in this. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, having these Tesla vehicles with autopilot go coast to coast is something that is uh, hopefully in the immediate future. However, one of the things about your guys's business model is you're you're not positioning yourself to be the first mile, last mile solution. F- with a vehicle that actually has autopilot. And I think there's many other examples uh, that that's what they try to do with autopilot. They try to make sure that in a controlled environment, especially in a city, that that's perfect for for autopilot to take over. You guys are kind of turning that, you're you're doing something different and you're actually promoting more long distance or more coast to coast. You initially started out as doing a test loop from LA to Las Vegas, but then it seems like you guys have kind of changed that to now do LA to San Diego and back. Can you maybe share the, you know, first off, what it what is it about the long distance part that you guys are so hooked on as opposed to shorter distance? Yeah. So maybe just one kind of precursor to that. Uh, If you haven't been in a Tesla with the new versions of autopilot, you definitely should try it out if you get the opportunity. It's since 2015 when we first got the car, which didn't have any uh, features beyond adaptive cruise control. Now they have navigate an autopilot, which on the highway can accelerate, decelerate, make lane changes, make interchanges, get off at off ramps. It's, It's really incredible the pace of improvement there. But when we think of autopilot and just autonomy in general, it's much more of a spectrum than a binary. The car is not driving itself and then it is driving itself the next day. Uh, Right now, it works very well on the highway and they're releasing some city features in the near future that'll make it perform adequately in the city. But the big, big difference is if you're going to drive yourself from LA to Vegas, LA to San Diego, anything over two, three hours in a regular car where you're in stop and go traffic, your brain is on the whole time. It's very stressful. You have to be uh, attentive to the road the whole time. It is draining and you arrive, you know, after driving for three to five hours, uh, kind of tired and not super energized. But if you have autopilot, while you still have to have your hand on the wheel and watch the road, it is a completely different experience where you're really just a systems monitor and you you don't have all of that brain activity going on. And so you can, it, it is much more relaxing. And that's the, the big win is kind of having your time back and the mental stress and it's less taxing to you. Yeah, and then the other factor there is that If you look at companies like 
Waymo or Aptiv or others who are doing kind of Uber in a you know autonomous car, and and they would probably not call that autopilot. But um, the difference is those are not electric cars like today. I, um, Waymo certainly has plans for electric uh, uh, Jaguars, but um, you know today they're gas minivans or whatever type of car. And again, the big win for electric is you are saving significant amounts of um, money on fuel, but also on maintenance, also on the car. We have um, over half a dozen Teslas that have over 250,000 miles on them. One of them has 465,000 miles on it. So is that, is, do you know, is that the, is that the Tesla with the highest it, mileage? It was at one point okay. now um, a guy in Europe with two Teslas on his Model S, I think he just hit um, a million kilometers. So now oh, wow. that's the highest. We may catch up with him. But um, the idea is if you have a car that like a Model 3 that costs, let's call it $50,000, and if it's going to last 500,000 miles, that's 10 cents a mile, which is radically cheaper you know, than a, a car that costs 35,000 and only lasts 150,000 miles mm -hmm. or something. So, so like long distance really leverages electric and, and, it, and it's much more competitive in, in, in the market. The what what struggles have you guys faced with consumers looking to accept the idea and the premise that so I can take a Tesla from L.A. to San Diego and part of that journey, I get to be on autopilot and do get to kick back and relax a bit. What are what's some of the pushback you guys have received? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a quarter of the people who don't use it and, and some of them, they just love to drive and they mm. want to have, you know, be behind the wheel of a Tesla. Now, we limit your top speed to 85 miles an hour, so we can programmatically um, set that. Um, and some people get upset about that because they wanted to, like, really have fun. Uh, but it, we think it makes it much safer for everybody. They want a taste of that insane mode. Huh? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> um, so, uh, you know, and, and I think some of those, you know, people who are not using it just are not comfortable or don't trust it or don't want to learn it. Um, but again, three quarters of the people are using it. And I think once you start using it, um, it's kind of hard to go back. It's like, uh, you know, once you start watching TV on a DVR and you can fast forward the commercials, like the idea of watching regular live TV just is not satisfying. And I think you kind of get something like that with autopilot. And so part of, part of then your ability to manage the speed um, and track the vehicle, the the, the battery levels. The, you you have built out your own app called Karmic. Yeah, Karmic. Um, tell us about Karmic and how that works with the overall business. So Karmic really evolved as uh, an outgrowth of kind of our our back end car management system. So when we started in rideshare mode, doing kind of these long distance Uber pools. We would have to keep track of the cars and know when they were arriving and um, figure out how much battery was left and open the cars and lock them and all of that. So we um, basically took that internal functionality and said, hey, let's open this up and expose it to any Tesla owner. So now anybody with a Tesla can in one minute um, go to karmic.net 
and um, it's just a, a, a mobile web app, and you can attach your car to that, and we'll start querying your car, storing the data, doing some battery analysis, um, maybe doing some valuation analysis, depending on what type of car it is. And um, you know, we initially thought that we would um, move forward by um, crowdsourcing cars from people who already own them. And the idea of Karmic was to give us um, a pool of cars that we could then look at their utilization. And maybe if it's sitting at LAX for two weeks, we would say, hey, why don't you give that to us? Now, since then, we've realized that there's lots of people who would be happy to just give us a car full time and we don't really need to worry about sharing it back and forth. So we've kind of evolved our model still in a crowdsourced manner for cars, but now in, in a mode where we have full time use of the car and it's just a dedicated member of our fleet. And there's some very favorable like uh, tax benefits for people who have you know, passive income that make this really attractive. So we have hundreds of people kind of um, on the list to do that, which you know, makes it uh, easy t- for us to access a lot of vehicles. I guess one of the, the natural progressions then to discuss owners or in more or less investors giving a Tesla to Test Loop uh, is through your program, the VIP program, right. Vehicle Investment Program. Let's talk about that because then I, I want to eventually start talking about the economics and your your business models and all the projections sure. you guys have put together because I think that it's pretty impressive. So, so first off, uh, it, maybe in your words, tell us what the vehicle investment program is. Yeah. So when we first started with Shuttle, we were offering ride sharing. We were buying our own cars, and the issue is if you're putting a lot of miles on these cars, we're driving about seventeen thousand miles per month. The uh, bank is going to be very underwater. They're going to, you know, you're paying them maybe $1,500 a month and you put 150,000 uh, miles on it in the first year, they're not going to be in a good position. And so what they're going to say is, hey, pay us a lot more upfront, maybe three or $4,000 a month, which makes it very capital intensive as a business to scale that out because you need both, you know, a lot of money going out every month and a lot of collateral backing that to secure the uh, financing. So what we have architected with the vehicle investment program is, uh, I think, effectively a tax-advantaged acquisition strategy. It's not a business model, but it allows any regular individual investor to purchase a Tesla a Model 3 or a Model Y when they come out and give it to us full-time for use in our fleet. And so we're going to take that car, drive it between LA and Vegas or any route that we service, putting about ten to 20,000 miles on it per month. And due to the standard mileage tax deduction, the owner is going to be eligible for a $0.58 cent per mile deduction. And due to the structure of the agreement, that's off uh, passive income. Yeah. So what that effectively means is that we're paying you for the vehicle. Uh, we pay you know, enough for the loan. We pay all the fuel, insurance, everything. We take care of everything. You don't have to do anything. And you get this big um, tax break at the end of the year. So... Uh, especially if you have passive income, it's just um, uh, very attractive. And this is the same tax break that Uber drivers would take. They drive a Prius, which maybe costs them 35 cents a mile to drive, but they can deduct a little more because it's the standard tax deduction. But in this case, it's just more pronounced because the cost of a Model 3 today is really the lowest per mile cost of any car in history, assuming you're driving it enough. Yeah, and so like the the... Overlying thesis we made when we 
uh, start of the company was if you have electric vehicles in this high utilization mode, it is transformatively cheap because electric drivetrains practically last forever. And so instead of you know driving at a few thousand miles per month for 10 years, then it becomes technologically obsolescent. You can now utilize the whole lifespan of that car uh, while it's still you know commercially relevant. Yeah, and, and there's an interesting kind of thought exercise around that. So today, it's clear that a Tesla will last half a million miles. I mean, we're already there. Some people are past that. But um, Tesla's plans are to make all their cars last a million miles, the battery, the brakes, um, the drivetrain, all of that. And if you buy a car that lasts a million miles, like no human is going to, you know, no individual consumer is going to drive their car a million miles, like even in their lifetime. So the question is, how do I make use of this, you know, capability? And and the answer is, well, you really, you know, if you want to get the best economic bang for your buck out of your car, you're going to have to share it with other people and let them drive it. Or, you know, as it evolves, let the car drive itself with other people. Or simply purchase the asset and put it through Tesla's platform. Yeah. And then you can, when you need a car, check out a car. And whether it's your car or not your car, um, right. you probably don't care. And you want the flexibility of a truck versus a three versus an X, depending on your situation. I mean, I, I think that's actually one of the more interesting elements about your business model that would innovate the traditional legacy rental model, rental car model, where you know if I am the rental car owner... I purchase all assets myself. I incur all the debts uh, on those cars and manage the business and you know I have to pay for the costs and whatnot. In in this vehicle investment program, you're able to say, "Hey, Dennis, you buy your you buy a Tesla, you put it through our platform and there's the potential to make money and save money on that asset that I've effectively put on your guys's platform." Right? Yeah, exactly. And and I, and I think the big kind of concept here is that the idea of ownership and utilization are becoming are going to be decoupled like um you know when it becomes really easy to switch who can use the car and it's just a click on your app button and you can lock the frunk and keep things in it and lock the vault on a truck it becomes really easy to share and in that mode um you know maybe your uh Comcast and all your uh cable installation equipment's in the back but um, when you're not using the car on weekends or whatever, it can be taxiing people in the front, or you can be an individual owner with your, you know, your goods in the in the front, the front trunk. Um, but at night, it can be driving people to Vegas and back, and it'll show back up for you for the morning. So, you know, who owns the car versus who uses it? That's going to become more and more like now. It's correlated. If Avis owns the car, they're renting out the car. You know, uh, if you own the car, you're driving it to work. But, um, uh, you know, Uber owners are typically owning their cars. So but but that's all going to change um, to become much more flexible. So listeners, uh, Testloop has done a phenomenal job of putting all these numbers. Now, I seem to recall, it looks like you guys went through a recent website design. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we've been we through a few. continually iterate on every <laughs> aspect. I, I, I feel like there was there was at one point where uh, a lot of these documents, aside from Rahul, you sending me these personally, I, f I feel like uh, some of these documents were made available publicly. Yeah, but, they're, uh, they're all still there. They're all look, still there. Mainly like linked through the blog site, okay, but you can okay. see all the records. So listeners, yeah. you can actually dig through a lot of these stats, and I find it actually very... I don't know, humble that you're that you're willing to share all the projections and all the ideas that you guys have. 
tell me if I'm painting the picture correctly, if if I'm somebody who would be participating in this vehicle investment program. So presuming I get a Model 3 and that Model 3 has a MSRP of about 48,000, which I'm presuming is about middle to fully loaded yeah. um, Tesla Model Standard 3. Standard range plus with full auto pilot okay. feature. And uh, when you include tax and license um, and you decide to finance this over 72 months, you figure that that's a monthly payment of about $772 um, that I would be paying a month. Through the program, you guys are offering a monthly benefit back to the owner, let's say to me in this case, of 950 correct? And then in addition to all the mileage taxes or the mileage deductions I may be able to take advantage of, which would hopefully lower my taxable income at the end of the year. Yeah, significantly if you have passive income. Is there any factor or any metric uh, as a part of your projections here that you pay attention to most? So, and listeners, let me give you an idea of some of these metrics that are included here. There's things like uh, the monthly rental gross revenue, monthly fuel, the monthly insurance, the monthly maintenance, contingency, registration. You know, what's what's great about what they've also built into their program is that they provide uh, cleaning and staffing uh, for the vehicle. They have to deal with parking. All this stuff is already included in, in their projections. But I guess I'm just curious, as you guys are looking at your financial models, are there particular metrics that you guys are focusing on more so than than others? Yeah, I, I'd say there's really just kind of two metrics that dominate the whole business model. One is like how many revenue miles can you run a month? Meaning, if if I rent you a car to go to Vegas, you know that's 280 miles from LA. So you know you could do that easily. Um, there and back every day, so that's seventeen thousand miles. So that would be, you know, seventeen thousand revenue miles. And then if you're charging, let's say, ninety nine dollars um, one way for that rental, you know, that would be roughly, let's call it thirty five cents, give or take. You know, um, the you know price per mile. Price right, right. So like those are really the only two things you want: more revenue miles and the more you charge kind of the more margin there is but if you could if you can charge less and get more miles you know you just kind of got to optimize that like i'd mm. rather do three legs and charge a little less than two legs and you know charge more so those are the two big variables and how do you just keep the and it just comes down to electric you're never going to run that electric car out so the more i can drive it every day and charge people for it the more profitable everything is. Most of everything else is kind of, you know, the fuel is always kind of a per mile cost. Your insurance over time becomes a per mile cost. Your, you know, cleaning becomes a per mile cost Mm -hmm, because every time you flip it, you've got to do something. So, you know, just the big factor is how do you make it cheap enough that you can just keep these cars moving? And it's And the big kind of conceptual factor here is let's say you rent an Avis car from L.A. to San Diego. You get that car for 24 hours. Um, When you rent Tesloop, you get that car for four hours. So it's kind of more of a substitute for the train where you're like on it, you get there and you're done with it. And now you Uber off and go on your way, which means we can 
then give it to somebody else later that day and somebody else later that day. So we can charge much less um, and still make more money because you don't have it the whole day and you're not just sitting on it, like parking it at some lot unused. Now, this takes me to then uh, something else about your guys' business then. So, you know, you're, you're dealing with the revenue per mile, but you're also dealing with the technology of management of these vehicles. Would you say that you guys are more of a rental tech company or a fintech company or robo-taxi tech company? Of those, it's really robo-taxi tech. If you look at the difference between operating long-distance Teslas today mm. and operating long-distance robo-taxis, electric robo-taxis in the future, there's almost no difference. The only thing that will change is right now, you, you know, in our new app that will be coming out um, early next year, you put in your, you know, it knows your current destination. You put in your eventual destination. I want to. And go when to you the, say new app, is this a this is Karmic but 2.0 kind of thing? Uh, this is, is Test Loop. Yeah. So oh, Karmic okay. is about managing your own Tesla. Uh, the Test Loop app is about booking transportation. So, um, and, and the idea is it should work just like Uber, where you say, Uber, here's where I want to go in the city, but here's where you, I want to go in Las Vegas. I want to go to the, you know, MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas, and I'm sitting in Beverly Hills. Um, right now, we will say, okay, it's a $10 Uber to get to downtown Santa Monica, where you can pick up the car, and then you're going to drop it in, you know, the Link Hotel in Vegas, and then you're going to take another Uber to the MGM. Uh, so that's how it works today. When you have full robo-taxi legal like uh, autonomy, let's call it in five, seven years, whatever, now instead of taking an Uber to the car, the car will just come get you. Um, or maybe another Tesla will come get you and take you to that car because that'll be quicker than, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're you know, waiting for the car to come to you. But like nothing else really changes. All the, the, the big technical challenge is battery management. You need to know, okay, that car that you're trying to get, does it have enough mileage? Where can it charge along the way? How long do you have to charge? You have to understand, okay, maybe it's $90 to get into a car that um, you have to charge for 30 minutes on the way to Vegas, but it's going to be $110 for a car that you only have to charge for 10 minutes. And some people will be like, I'm in a hurry. I want to pay a little more. You know, so that's the tech you have. Now, there's a whole nother fintech side of the business that's super interesting where we feel that auto lending is going to evolve from what is a kind of credit risk data science on gas platforms uh, into a actual car data science. So um, yeah, please elaborate on that. Yeah. So, so right now, when you buy a car and take out a loan as the lender, what I really care about is, are you going to be able to pay back that loan? Once you're electric, it becomes very different because now you're, as a lender, managing an asset that's going to last a million miles. And with an electric car, very little goes wrong compared to a gas car. In a gas car, you might have oil issues or spark plugs or gaskets or who knows what. With an electric car, kind of when you query the car, you can kind of have really good visibility into it. And the main issues are related to maybe battery degradation, depending on how you're charging it and what have you. So I can understand the value of the car every day. In the background, I can run a Kelly Blue Book mm -hmm. based on the information the car tells me. So every day I know how much that car is worth. And there's very little chance that somebody will mess it up uh, like mechanically. They're not going to run out of oil. 
And there's also an increasingly lower chance that they will get into an accident because the passive and active safety systems are really you know, stopping that. So, so now I can potentially start lending on a per mile basis instead of just saying it's your car. And also I could say, hey, if at any point you want to give it back, just give it back. I'll give it to somebody else on that per mile basis. So, so we think electric lending, which is now maybe a, let's call it a $40 billion a year mm-hmm. industry is going to become a $400 billion a year industry where lenders are going to be connected to that car. Just like now you have the title of the car is your, you know, your backstop as a lender in case anything goes wrong or somebody doesn't mm-hmm. pay the bills. Mm-hmm. In the future, you probably have the super admin password to the vehicle and now I know everything <laughs> about it. And if you don't pay it, you just can't start Done, it. Done, you're locked out. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, that really seems like how things will progress, but it's going to radically change lending into a real-time vehicle data science. Well, how does the so the the fleets of Teslas that currently exist in uh, the currently exist in your fleets are Model Xs? Yeah, yeah. So, so the Xs for rideshare are clearly the best car prior to the Cybertruck. Mm-hmm. Um, which for, that's what I actually want to eventually get to is like yeah. how, how does the Cybertruck now fit into your guys' model? Yeah. So currently for rental, the three makes a lot more sense because it's half the price of you know an S okay. or an X, and nobody wants to pay twice as much for a little more room. Uh, you, you know, there's a few people if you have a big party or something, but in general, um, you know, it's cheaper to go yeah, to Vegas just, in a Model Three than yeah. a Ford Focus on Avis or something. So. So yeah, the and, and since we're really focused on this rental model now, we envision you know for the next uh, few years it'll all be threes until the Y is available, and then the mm-hmm. Y will be the ideal you know rental car because it has a little more room, and, and it's about the same price. But uh, yeah, we think the Cybertruck really changes everything. Like the Cybertruck, I would say like you know when I a couple weeks ago when they had the unveiling event. The, everybody was saying, you know, will truck people buy this thing that's funny looking, you know, and, and I think everybody kind of viewed this as designed for the pickup truck owner. And like I wasn't. left that event and I'm like, no, this car was designed for us. This is a robo taxi. Right, right. Um, and people don't realize that. But Elon's view is that in two years they're going to have full autonomy that will work you know, better than a human driver. And, you know, the Cybertruck is kind of two to three years before it ramps up. So it's really designed for a world of full autonomy. And it's designed to be, I would contend, uh, an amazing robo-taxi. Now, it'll also do almost everything else better than other cars, but that's kind of a, a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Hayden, with the Cybertruck entering your fleet, what's your new pitch for that car? Name another car, and I can tell you why Cybertruck does it better. Like if you if you want to buy, I mean, just general as a retail consumer, if you want to buy a Jeep, get a Cybertruck, higher ground clearance, better off-road capabilities, you know, stock without any modifications. If you want to buy a Volvo for safety, buy a Cybertruck, it's bulletproof. If you want to cruise in the Autobahn, don't get an S-Class, get a Cybertruck, it's, you know, adaptive uh, air suspension. There, there's just so many benefits and, and kind of all the dimensions that people consider when buying a car. Cybertruck can do better than almost all of them. So... Yeah, I mean, beyond every reason why Cybertruck outperforms regular cars, 
it's it's really cheap. It has basically the same economics as a Model 3. And so for us, we're going to have the decision, okay, do we buy Model Ys or do we buy Cybertrucks for roughly the same price? Cybertruck has more storage capacity, which is really important because a lot of people are doing airport travel, so they have luggage with them. If you buy the tri-motor, it has more range than Model Y will have. Um, I think people are going to get over the kind of unique design of it rather quickly. So I don't think there's any disadvantages to moving towards a Cybertruck fleet. Uh, so it, it doesn't seem like there's any good arguments as to why we shouldn't do that. As a digression away from test loop and Tesla, yeah. or, and maybe it's impossible to get away from that, <laughs> but you know, out of curiosity, what do you study um, you know, professionally that helps keep your acumen about the actual work you do with test loop? So like are are there are there any types of uh, other you know other industries that you're also learning from or technologies that are helping you here at Tesloop? I, yeah, I think there's like a lot of different kind of small bits and pieces of information you can gather through. Like you know, what what what's consuming your mind most these days that is not directly the operations of Tesloop? Yeah, so outside of the operations of Tesloop, and I only have so much time in the day, so I try to learn more about Tesla than other you know, subjects like okay. history, for example. But I, I think the interesting thing about Tesla is that there are so many evangelists out there just creating amazing content. If you go on YouTube, there's like the subculture of Tesla tubers that are you know, they're getting into like some really fascinating topics and doing deep dives and investigative you know, reporting about it. And so you have really, really good content coming from uh, individual content creators on YouTube. There is just just so much press about what they're doing, and then just general studying, you know, economics and math and other more academic subjects. Uh, Rahul, on your end here, more personal question for you. So, one of the things that I've, you know, it's it's kind of um, interesting, I guess, maybe the the best term for right now to describe it in that you're somebody who is who who did a lot of the formal things in life of education and work. Your son is taking a bit of a different path in that end. Was that intentional on your part? Uh, no, I don't think it was intentional. I mean, I think this the, the whole, like the origin of Test Loop was as a summer kind of job project where Hayden wanted to get a car and. I suggested to get a job instead, and, but but I think yeah. al almost even that element too, right? Like I, I certainly be it with my parents or even a lot of my friends, right? Like you know, you, you talk about uh, different parenting techniques when somebody when a kid doesn't want their first car. Of course, you do have to work for it, but it sounds as if like you said, well, not only do you have to work for it, you have to come up with a business uh, to 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 pay for it and to maintain it. Yeah, I mean, I think the business idea was. Not what I was expecting. Hayden's first idea was he wanted to be a car mechanic. And I said, you'll have to go clean tools at the shop down the street. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. So the, <laughs> the business idea was the next one. But like I, like I think there's a general situation happening now where uh, you do have access to like every piece of information, you know, every MIT open courseware and everything on All YouTube. online courses. You can Google. So mm -hmm. th there's not a question of can I get this information? There's rather a question of how do you focus what you want to learn on? And to me, the best way to learn something is when you're really forced to do it with a real outcome. So how do you learn? 
how to market and advertise, well, try to take out Facebook ads and figure out if anybody will actually click through and give you their credit card like that really teaches you how to do that or how do you learn about, you know, the convergence between cash flow value and market value of a car? Well, sell a bunch of cars and then put cars on Toro and see how much you can generate. And like, if you do that, you just learn that stuff. So I think to me, I don't know, the the advice I have for any parent or something like I'm I'm super pro college because I think you get a cohort of peers that influence you and hopefully they're you know people who can inspire you. But I think you learn much, much more if you actually have to execute on something in the real world. And now there's so many opportunities. You can come up with any little idea and figure out how to create a deck and explain it to people. You can try to market it on Facebook, like any, I think, um, you know, college age person can for $15 set up a Facebook ad account and Mm -hmm. advertise something and see how it works and all the targeting. And, you know, there's 15 different dimensions depending on what you care on. So my like advice to anybody who wants to learn how to do something is in, you know, along with studying it, which is you got to do and you can do that in different ways, but actually try to do something in the real world with real people and real you know, platforms out there. And the manifestation of all that is sitting to my right. Hi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's, you know, just a great case in point for just having to, you know, his phone number is, you know, in every car is direct cell line. And if somebody has a problem, they call him and he's got to figure out what to do. And, you know, when we started this morning, there was a little yeah. uh, car issue that he was dealing with. So like, that's that's how you learn how to, how to do that stuff. Um, gentlemen, is there anything else that I left out? Uh, no, I mean, if anybody has more questions, I'm always happy to chat about the subject. So just message me on Facebook and we can jump on a call and see where it takes us. And I will say that my one piece of advice for everybody is for $100, oh, yeah. you can reserve a cyber truck with the uh, choose the $7,000 full self-driving feature. If in two or three years it's not for you, you get your money back. But maybe you have this $100 option on something that's worth $200,000. So there's uh, that, there's the investment right there. Yeah, if you want a, a cheap, uh, low risk, high potential investment, that's uh, my non-financial advice for people. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, uh, check out the episode page. I'll put all the information on TestLoop again. You can visit them at testloop.com. Uh, I will put uh, all of Hayden's uh, information uh, on the episode page as well. Thanks for tuning into this episode. As we end every episode, cheers, prost, lachaim, kipis, nastravi, salut, kampai, mabruk, tutsins, gambe, yamas, nastrovie, to the customer experience.